Good evening and welcome to Mouthful, smart talk about food, wine, and farming in Sonoma County and beyond. It's Michelle Anna Jordan live in the studio with someone who is one of the most inspirational people I've ever met in my life, quite honestly, and she's cringing as I say that. But um, if you're inspired by Sonoma County and by farming and by things that grow and animals that walk through the fields and are happy and birds that sing, you would find inspiration from her as well. She has a diverse farm here in Sonoma County. Bless her heart and her husband's for keeping our land in diversified farming. And she's returning to Mouthful for the second or the third time? I think second. Second. Okay. Lori Duckworth, Duckworth Farms. It is great to see you again in two days in a row. (laughs) And we have another guest with us. Hi. Hi, tell me your name. I'm Victoria. Victoria. And you're from... Belgium. Belgium. That's what I thought. You're from Belgium. (laughs) And you're um, spending time uh, working at the farm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a woofer at the farm. Yeah. A woofer. That's great. And I understand um, that you are... um, pursuing a journalistic avenue as well. Yeah, yeah. I was in uh, journalism option in college uh, back in uh, Belgium. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that that is great. We need journalists. It's a noble profession and it's exciting to see a young person interested who also has an interest to, interest in farming. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's yeah. that's just so great. Um, the blue, You are kicking up blueberry season, Laurie. It is nearly upon us. Yes, and I have a, a, bas- a beautiful little box of uh, blueberries we picked yesterday to prove it. Yes. Got out all my blueberry recipes. And you are starting something new. It kicks off this Friday? Yes, this Friday at 7 a.m. For the first time, we are having you pick at Duckworth Farm. Every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, we'd like to see people out with their kids and their relatives and friends to uh, sort of get reacquainted with the plants that grow their food. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's really great you're starting at 7 in the morning because somebody who um, is inclined to get up early can come and get blueberries before they go to work. Correct. And the earlier you pick them, the cooler they're going to be and the longer the shelf life they're going to have. Explain that in detail because I think that there is some misinformation about the best time to pick berries. Uh, A lot of people say, oh, you shouldn't pick them until the hottest part of the day because that's when they're the sweetest. So why don't you correct us? Well, it's a lot like flowers. If you're going to smell a rose, you will smell more fragrance when it's warm in the afternoon rather than in the morning. And I think your mouth buds work the same way, your taste buds. And so when you have a berry in the afternoon, it's warm. And so you're going to get more of the aromatics But if you pick it then and you take it home, it's got heat. And the warmer it is, the faster it's going to decompose. Ah. So what you want to do is pick them in the morning when they're cool. And I promise you they're going to taste just as great in the afternoon, but they will last you longer. You you know, bring them home, don't wash them, refrigerate them, and they should last you a couple weeks. 
They do. They do in my house. Oh, certainly. So, um, you know, I eat a few a day. I cook with a few a day and they just they're very hearty berries. We tend to keep a bowl on the counter also. Mm -hmm. Just snacking. You walk in, grab a bowl. It's just, you know, handful. It's just so easy. Mm -hmm. And they don't make a mess, which is nice. That's true, too. Really good kid snack. Very good kid snack. I tried to get uh, Bobby and Lark to have one yesterday. They weren't interested. Oh, my God. My dogs love them. Yeah, I'm hoping that they love them sooner, (laughs) at some point soon. Um, if one dog eats it, then the other dog will eat it. So that hasn't <laughs> happened yet. So I'm going to wait until Bobby's really hungry and then uh, get him to see if he'll eat it. And if he will, then Lark will. Oh, that's nice. Because that happened, that happened last week with apricots. Oh, wow. She, she was having none of it. And then he came along and ate some. And, oh, I want that. <laughs> <laughs> the official taster. The official taster. There you go. And, you know... Uh, Female dogs and female cats, I think. Female dogs are pickier. I think so. Than male. Well, they have to, you know, be careful because they, you know, just like women, they um, are responsible for the next generation. True. So they're t- they taste more finely. I think so, too. Um, tell us about the property, where it is, when you bought it. It's so gorgeous. Thank you. It's a beautiful piece of property. It really, it really is. We were looking, actually, every third weekend for nine years for a property. And I stumbled upon this because I took a wrong turn and saw that it was for sale. We are out on Canfield Road, and we've been there since 2002. So we've been there 17 years. It's an open space property, which means that we are supposed to keep it an egg. It can never be subdivided. And what's really important is the people of Sonoma County have voted twice to vote for the open ag, open space properties. Mm-hmm. We pay, I think, a quarter of 1% on everything we purchase to fund these properties mm-hmm. to keep them from being subdivided and, you know, mini-mauled out, which is great. So our property has been in this since Bud Naaman's put it in, I think, back in the early 2000s. And he was born on this property in 1931, did not want to see it subdivided. Mm-hmm. Our feeling is, because the people of Sonoma County have basically paid to keep these properties in ag, that sort of the least we can do is to keep our product in Sonoma County. So as you know, we've been selling to stores for the last five years, but Mm -hmm. only independent Sonoma County-run stores, Mm -hmm. which means something to us. And then you pick, it will be open to everyone, but I'm hoping it'll be first and foremost Sonoma County residents. Um, How many acres? 82. 82. And you you were telling me yesterday when they, we were there, you have the area where you grew hay. Yes. How many acres is that part? That's about 50. It's about 50. Okay. And then just beyond it is a really important tree line yes. that tells you things about the property. I found this fascinating. Yes. So when we looked for property, one of the things we wanted to make sure, first of all, was, you know, is it fire safe? We didn't want to be in any box canyons. We wanted a way out. We wanted water. But we drove into the property, and the first thing we saw way up the hill were three willow trees. And that was it. If you find willows on a hill, you know you have water. You see, And that's what I didn't realize. Oh. It makes total sense. Yes. But of course, because they need water. A lot of water, not just a little, a lot. And that, again, is, is one of the key considerations also for blueberries. Not that they're water intensive, but they like a, a cooler climate and they can have a moist soil, but not, mm-hmm. not sogged out. And then the very top of the property, the top 10 acres, is actually protected. It has what they call a relic black oak forest, which is indicative of what was here 150 years ago. 
and uh, it's stunning. It's stunning to walk through. We offer tours uh, once or twice a year through land paths. Oh, you do? Oh, I didn't realize that. We do. And in fact, this week we have iRead coming out through land paths. You did mention that. So we read, they, they read a book. Of, tell me the book again. Oh, Blueberries for Sal. That's right. By McCloskey. It's it's an adorable old story from what, the 40s or 50s. And the kids love it with the kerplink, kerplank, kerplunk. And, and then we, we take them in the field to actually pick blueberries oh. and let them take uh-huh. some home. How old are the ones that are coming this week? Oh, my gosh. I think they're usually between two and seven. <gasps> oh, okay. So we get their parents, too, which is fun. Oh, cool. It is. Cool. Um, and then let's go back to the you pick. Um, so people drive in. Parking will be clearly marked. It will. We have a lot of parking. Uh, Yes. And then they get um, a basket that they strap on, right? Yes. It hooks around the waist. So that leaves both of your hands free. Mm -hmm. It makes picking so much more efficient. Mm -hmm. And uh, then we, because it is a food, we do require everyone to wash their hands on the way into the field Mm -hmm. because you're going to be touching plants. We give them a quick demonstration on how to pick, how to use the basket, and uh, let them go. And it's it's fun to see. And one thing that's really interesting is there's no stickers. There's nothing that will hurt you as you're picking. And they're much easier to pick than, say, blackberries. They're oh. infinitely easier than strawberries. Oh, strawberries make a cripple out of you. I mean, yes. seriously. Mm-hmm. Yes, they're super easy. And that's what makes them so small child friendly. Mm-hmm. They can actually reach out and grab them. My philosophy has always been it's great to teach ag in schools. However, the journey to teach a child agriculture is exactly the length of their arm. If I can get them to reach out, grab a berry, and put it in their mouth, it fires you know these neurons off in their brain, and they will remember what good food is supposed to taste like mm-hmm. and hopefully how to find it. Absolutely. It's a great, it's a really great thing. We're going to take a real quick mus- appropriate musical break here, and we will be right back. Found my thrill on Blueberry Hill, on Blueberry Hill. When I found you, the moon stood still on Blueberry Hill. Low speed melody But all of those vows you made Were only to be So we're apart You caught up me still You can't have a show about blueberries without Blueberry Hill. You know, you just can't. Um, what was that? You do more than just blueberries at the farm. Um, you do so much that in a way it's impossible to briefly 
encapsulate it. Um, one of the things I was thinking about was the wool that we saw yesterday. Oh. Especially the wool, the leftovers that were going into the compost. Oh, yes. I want to make dog toys out of them. You can. Yes. And they're great. You make dog toys out of them and then also go to a thrift store get uh, or um, a hardware store and either get burlap sacks or used um, pillowcases. Uh, fill them, not too full, but fill them so they're comfy. Sew them up nice and strong and take them to animal shelters. Oh. They, will, they would make fabulous dog beds. They would. They do. They breathe. Yeah. And... Uh, they're just, well, we know how good they are. And I'll do that for you. If you ever want it done, Yay! I will do it. Because uh, you do so much. You have chickens. We do. In two lovely portable chicken coops that you call them found. Mm-hmm. How many, I didn't ask you how many chickens you have. About 60 right now. About 60. Yes. And you're not currently selling the eggs, right? We don't. We have a lovely woman down the street, Rachel Boring, who sells eggs, Boring Eggs. And oh, right. Yes. They're wonderful. And mm-hmm. we tend to use ours because we have students and we cook every oh. day. So so you use that many eggs? No, what we don't use, we, we give away. Okay. So I'll raise my friends. hands. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, there's nothing like eggs. Once you've had eggs from a happy flock, oh. you can't go back to supermarket eggs, and you shouldn't. No. You know, s- supermarket eggs, I think, are one of the easiest things to give up. Oh, yes. And you're rewarded every time you eat an egg. Uh, There's somebody on an NPR show a few years ago who, he did this whole thing about eggs and how you buy more expensive eggs because it's the quote-unquote right thing to do, but there's no no reward for you when it comes to taste or other properties. And I just thought, who is this guy? Oh. Has he ever eaten anything in his life? Because there's just no comparison. The taste, no. the color. Of a farm, oh, the t- the color, the taste oh. of a farm egg. There's just nothing comparable no. in a grocery store. So I was really puzzled when I heard that, and I thought that would be, if that were true, that would be a very hard leap for people to make. Yes, a lot of people can't do it. Because it's the right thing, they need a more immediate reward. And, you know, they are. You can buy eggs. I don't even know what grocery store eggs cost anymore. Um, Nor but, do I. you know, I pay between 7 and $9 a dozen, and I'm grateful that I get to do that. Um, I, like, I like knowing the chickens who lay my eggs. <laughs> I, and I like knowing I can go look at them if I want to. And I really like more than anything knowing that they have happy lives. Ours do. I saw yours running around. The totally free range. And we have our local ra- neighborhood ravens. So I saw them flying with like, eggs in their mouths. White feather. Yes. Yeah. So what we do is we have some eucalyptus across the street, which houses red-tailed hawks. And one of their favorite meals is chickens. Years ago, I'm going back 10 or 15 years, my youngest daughter said, you know, mom, we can stop the ravens. I mean, stop the hawks from getting the, the chickens by feeding them our eggs. Because if we feed the ravens, they chase off the hawks. And we have not lost a chicken in uh, 15 years to that's a hawk. Am- that's amazing that it yeah. works that way. Well, there's one caveat. Once you start feeding the couple two eggs a day, and they're a long-lived bird, and they're yeah, so yeah. smart. Yeah, they, but like 30 years or something. Yeah, and we've had the same, we think, the same couple, because she's got white feathers, so we call her white feather, you know, right at her neckline. Mm-hmm. But... 
if you forget to feed them their eggs, they will go in the They'll coop. come knock on your door. No, they go in the coop and take all the eggs. They're oh, like really? the mafia. I mean, we're just better <laughs> off paying the money rather than losing everything. Seriously. They'll they'll take all the eggs. Yes. That's hilarious. Yes. But if you feed them the two, they're like, okay, you're oh. right. Where do you put them? The eggs? For the ones that you're giving to the ravens, oh. where do they go? Well, I call them out, first of all, because they know they know me and my hat. And so then I call them out, and I just put it on a concrete pillar, like within six feet of me, and she flies down and grabs it every day. Oh. And it, sometimes in the winter, if it's, it's really bad, they will follow me and make noises, so I put out more food for them if they feel like they need more. But they do uh-huh. tend to let me know, which is kind of nice. They're so good at communicating, and they're so smart. They are. They are so smart. I just, I love ravens and crows. We have photos of ours last year landing on our sheep that were sleeping and actually pulling fresh wool from the sheep's back to line their nests. I mean, you know, there are little farm creatures. It's nice. It's very nice. It is. You also have a whole lot of sheep, and you have some breeds that are not common in the United States. We do. My daughter Snazzy has the Awasi breed, which I think was originally an Israeli breed. And she brought in frozen embryos from Australia and then implanted them into some of my sheep and some of her sheep at UC Davis. Dr. McNabb did a great job. So we have four males and four females. The Awasi is a wonderful sheep. And we are always looking on the farm is how can we do this better? How can we do it with a, a smaller ecological footprint? And the problem we have with the current sheep in our area and in America right now, the East Frisians and the Lacones, is they have multiple births, up to five lambs at a time. Five and, at a time? I had no idea. Yeah, and they have, wow. they, have, they have two teats. So there's a problem. And then they require a higher grain diet towards the end, and they're a lot more maintenance. This breed of sheep typically has single births. Mm-hmm. And instead of those little tiny tails, the back of it's re- you know looks like a beaver tail all scrumpled up. It was really interesting to see that tail. It's it's a it's a marvel. It's like a camel. They store fat there, which enables them to sort of make it through lean times. And they don't need to be fed grain. They can live, and we have green pastures year round, and they can live quite stably out there and quite happily. And then. Having one lamb versus four lamb, I think, keeps the entire flock healthier. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. it's less to produce. And a lot of the sheep that we see in the dairy system now, they've been bred to have so much milk. And there are so many problems with that. So our goal is to have fewer lambs, but to have healthier lambs and healthier ewes and therefore healthier milk. Interesting. Um it doesn't seem like it ever works to try to breed an animal to produce more than is natural for it to produce. I agree. Nature, no matter, and we've learned this on the farm, no matter what you think, you're going to have this great, clever idea. Oh, I'm going to do this. And it works for, you know, five seconds. And then something else goes wrong that you did not plan for because mm-hmm. nature has a balance. Yes. And we are every day out there trying to figure out what the balance is, how to make it work for us, but not to upset it. And that's, I think, the biggest challenge of farming is we sort of farm to failure. So we keep trying things until we hit failure and we back up and go, okay, that didn't work. And then we start with something else. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's fun, but it's, it's a little exhausting. Sure, of course. But you're so well rewarded. Your place is so beautiful. Oh, and you do you. so many wonderful things. Now, the, the, the sheep that you're raising are not for meat. No. They're for their wool. Primarily wool. And you're also, are you... Are you going to start a dairy? 
snazzy is with the Awasi sheep. Uh-huh. She is planning on, and they're organic. She's pla- organically raised. She's planning on doing an organic sheep dairy, and her goal is to make sheep ice cream. Mm-hmm. She loves ice cream, and her goal is a blueberry sheep ice cream. So we're looking forward to that next year. That, that soon? Yes. Wow. Oh, yes. That will be absolutely fabulous. I think so. And I'm, I'm hoping maybe she'll make a little bit of sheep butter, too. Oh, because we've, we've lost Haverton Hill. Haverton Hill is no longer in Sonoma County. And um, that, though, through no fault of their own. No, through, no, they just, yeah. they, things happen with land. They had to move away. They're up in, not, they're near Corning, I think. Okay, okay, yeah, I was saying, not Tahoma County. Yeah. One of those counties, they're up there. And I don't know what the distribution of their butter is right now. Haven't Last time I checked, the only place you could get it in Sonoma County was Whole Foods in Cottingtown. So I need to check because they're, they did ice cream as well. And their yes, ice cream wonderful. was very nice. But their butter is probably the best butter I've ever tasted. It's just extraordinary butter. We should give a call to Missy. She has family there here. We go. Oh, yes, we'll we just, should. Just have her send some down. Oh, <laughs> There you go. You know, why not? <laughs> why not? She is so nice. Yes, and they have is. such a good product. And she was, uh, they were a guest here on Mouthful oh. and had a wonderful time with them. Um, so I, I was I was saddened when things we weren't were too. working out. Yeah, I think everyone who knew their product uh, felt bad that they weren't able to. They make... lived a mile from us, oh, two gosh. miles. They just lived around the corner on Bluefield oh. years ago. But oh, maybe okay. right where they left. So okay. it was quite a loss for us as well. Yeah. And now we've got a sheep milk dairy going in to replace it. There's a couple of other people doing sheep's milk, as I'm sure Correct. you know. Mm-hmm. Great, great things. Yeah, really wonderful things. But they're focusing, they tend to focus on cheese. I think so. Yeah. I think so. I, Snazzy's more of an ice cream girl. Mm-hmm. So um, she's just going to do where, you know, I think whatever her passion leads her to and hope it works out. Mm-hmm. And the sheep are in a good spot. You know, we have, you know, we have the dairy being built and we have green pastures year round and good water. And I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be really good for her. Uh-huh. I'm just glad she chose to stay in the county and do this. Absolutely. She was looking at moving up there also. Oh, she was? Yes. Up oh. near um, Grenada. She was looking at a property and, you know, as a mom, you have to say, okay, that's great. And I'm here to support you. But when she yeah. decided not to do it, we just about did a happy dance. <laughs> Well, I'll do a happy dance, too, because I'm very glad she's staying as well. Um, We're going to take another musical break, but let me tell you the inspiration, as you may or may not have read. um, The Italian uh, director, Frank um, Zeffirelli, Frederico, wait, Franco Zeffirelli. I just suddenly wanted to say Francis, and oops. Um, He passed away. He was, he lived. A nice long life. I think he was ninety. He was ninety four, ninety six when he died, and I will be forever grateful for him making the most marvelous version of Romeo and Juliet. It's absolutely gorgeous. So, um, to honor that movie and the young actors, um, Olivia Hussey and Leonard Whiting, who had the lead roles, y'all changed my life. <laughs>
the theme from Fe- Franco Zeffirelli's Romeo and Juliet. Um, thanks for tuning in to Mouthful. It's Michelle Anna Jordan live in the studio. We are talking with Lori Duckworth of Duckworth Farm. Um, as diversified a farm as I can imagine finding um, these days. It's really quite spectacular. Um, you also have a few horses. We do. That look so happy. They are. They look so happy and, and pretty. Thank Just you. Just hanging out. Well, when you have daughters, the trouble is they have horses and ponies, and as they outgrow them or the ponies get older, we don't have the heart to rehome them. And oh, so everything right. stays with us. Nothing actually ever gets sold. That's so wonderful. We have four out there, which is nice. Yeah. And then you have three, is it Australian Shepherds? Border Collies. Border three McNabs. Border, collies. border McNabs. They run the farm, actually. They're... Our, our sheep are not actually fenced in. Right. And it's funny because people call animal control and say, oh my gosh, there's sheep in her front yard. It was like, did you not see the three dogs sitting there? So we yeah. haven't had our sheep ever get hit and they've been unfenced for 17 years because we have a partnership with our dogs. Mm-hmm. Every animal on our farm has a job. Watching, watching those three dogs yesterday, watching them the way they watch the sheep. Yes. It was fascinating. That's their job. And so they keep them from the street and uh, they keep the predators at bay. Not as, you know, they're not so predator based like a livestock guardian dog, mm-hmm. but they, they move them. And when the new babies are born, they are right there watching over the ewe and the lambs. Mm-hmm. So, and then Snazzy competes with her dog, Fergus, the little year old one you saw. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's quite quick, quite bright. What do you mean com- competes? They have to take a series of sheep. Have you ever seen the movie Babe? Okay. No, I know about it. Okay. But, okay. So uh, a handler has his or her dog and they take a group of sheep and move them from a hillside or a flat area through a series of gates and the the dog only works by commands and whistles and they have to move them and not let them scatter which is hard to do i couldn't do it but the dog can oh interesting it's fun now where do they where do the sheep sleep at night do they go into a barn or do they sleep out in the field they're either out in the field. It depends on if they're lambing. When they are lambing, we do we do corral them. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they go up the hill and they sleep by the, the my fiber studio. They sleep oh. up behind that. Okay. So they're kind of tucked in and they're safe. Mm-hmm. But we've never, actually in 17 years, we've never lost a sheep to a predator. That's great. The dogs. Yeah. That's fabulous. It works. So um, I want to talk about Wolf, but since you mentioned fiber studio... Let's bring that into it as well, because you have more looms than anyone I have ever seen. <laughs> like 20, 25? At least, at least. It's frightening. Well, what's the old saying that, you know, you never leave your window down in your car with an accordion in it because when you come back, there'll be three more beside it? <laughs> so what happened to us is I got into weaving because... Somebody once described me that if I decided to take up knitting, first I would find a farm and grow grass and then get the sheep and then process the wool, which is kind of how it worked, except I took up weaving, not knitting. And weaving requires a loom. Then the word kind of got out that I would take the broken looms and rehome them, which is what we do. And then I've had fiber gills contact me and say, look, we have like 16 looms. We don't want to see them go into the, the landfill. Would you please pick them up? So we do. And then Snazzy and I spend countless hours researching them and trying to get them back into working order. And when we do, if a student comes out, we've had a lot of woofers leave with looms. If they enjoy it and we think they're going to keep up with it, we just give it to them. That's amazing. It's nice. These are skills that used to be handed down and right. they are no longer. And that's a shame. Mm-hmm. And then you you also spin. We do. Um, do you spin a lot? Do you I spin do. a lot of your wool? 
I, I almost every wool I use, I spin. Oh, and do you spin it on a spinning wheel or by hand? By hand, uh, the drop, drop spindle. Loom. Drop spindle. We teach people first on a drop spindle, and we mm-hmm. move to a spinning wheel. But I spin on a, on a really nice older, large spinning wheel, mm-hmm. and it's it's quite soothing. It's something I've always been so very attracted to. I you just learn. I would. I would. I was learning on a drop spindle, and you know, and then life got, life became life. Um, but maybe sometime in my near future, I'll be able to learn. Do you know what's great about a drop spindle? Is when I travel, you can take it anywhere. Well, and if you do, and you pull out some wool and start spinning, you there's not a stranger in the airport. Everybody stops and talks to you. Be, oh. They're interested, and the uh-huh. kids especially. So I usually end up just uh, talking to people and giving an impromptu lesson right there, mm-hmm. which is fun. Sort of spread the wool wealth. Mm-hmm. And then um, your friends who said you would start by growing grass. <laughs> um, that makes me think of something else you're doing. You have a very large patch that is fenced in of indigo. Correct. And indigo is named for the color of the, its leaves when, when torn or something release, right? Yes. You can either dry them or any damage on a green leaf and you'll see that the blue show up. So you have... Indigo plants, and you are going to use your indigo plants to dye your wool. Correct. We do, and we teach. So we have people come out on weekends, and they can, you know, get some of our wool at a very low price, or bring their own wool or skeins of wool, mm-hmm. and our skeins of yarn, and then we teach them how to do it. There are many ways to do indigo, and there are a lot of experts on it. We do a very simple indigo dye that doesn't require any chemicals, mm-hmm. and so you can come in in the morning and then leave in the afternoon. Um, Having picked it that morning, you can pick your own indigo and we'll show you how to process it. The joy of that is I'd like people to realize that they don't need to have 400 pounds of dried indigo to do the Japanese, you know, reduction sort of pile. But you can maybe get a couple dozen plants in your backyard and dye a silk scarf or dye something wool. The method we use will only dye a protein fiber. So wool is a protein and silk is a protein, and it readily takes fresh indigo. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Um, You know, just after seeing that yesterday, and I didn't know anything about people growing indigo until I came over yesterday. Uh, This morning on Facebook, a dear friend of mine in um, Santa Rosa had a picture of all the um, flowers and things that she had picked for Father's Day. And she had them in these beautiful, stunning jars and vases that her husband had made. He's working in his pottery. That's not what he does for a profession, but he's quite talented. And she had deep red roses, I think, for her fa- in memory of her father. She had all, this different, all these different things. And then indigo. She had indigo in this array, this beautiful array of bouquets. Wow. Oh, there's someone else with indigo. How cool. It's getting more common in the county. Uh, Craig Wilkinson is running, and I think he was at Show and Farm also. He Hmm. is pretty much the man behind this, and that's where I get my seedlings from. What's his name again? Craig Wilkinson. And he is sort of our, our local indigo guru. And uh, he helps me with my plants. If I have any problem, I can call him. And he is a wealth of information. Oh, we want to talk to him on here on Mouthful. I think so. That would be fascinating. He's a fascinating, very good man. Uh-huh. Uh, do gophers eat indigo plants? Not mine. Cool. And you have them. <laughs> I do. About my third largest crop is gophers. Mm-hmm. We have sandy loam soil, which is acidic, oh. which is great for blueberries. But it's also a, a quick, you know, a quick dig for a gopher to get through that. Right. 
Right. And you have you have weasels. We do. We love the weasels. I that's something else I didn't realize was common here. Yeah, we have a lot of them. We have weasels. We also have badgers, which a lot of people don't realize that Sonoma County has badgers. Oh, you can see them on our property. You can see badgers? Yeah, we've seen them a couple of times. In 17 years, we've surprised it, I think, three times and been able to see it. They're, they're, they're fierce looking. Yes. But the weasels we love because they can actually get down into the gopher holes. Mm-hmm. So if we're setting traps in the blueberry field and we catch a weasel, all the traps get pulled that day because the weasels are much more efficient at killing gophers than we will ever be. And as long as your chickens are locked up at night, you're pretty safe. Weasel's oh. a pretty fierce predator. Yeah, so they would want to come and have a chicken oh, midnight feast. snack. Oh, definitely. What uh, you, You've talked about a lot of critters that run through there. You said you have, a, was it coyotes that come through? Everybody? We have a lot of coyotes. We have a bobcat that's there on a, you know, almost every afternoon in the fall. We see it in the backfield and have mm-hmm. for years. Um, mountain lion has come through just a few times and you see the horses scream when it's nearby. We have a lot of water birds. We've restored our ponds. So we Mm -hmm. have, you know, egrets and and herons Mm -hmm. and you name it and we just about get it, Mm -hmm. which which is, it's nice. And we also have river otters that come and have babies in our pond. And you get to see the babies? We do. They're like little puppies and they squeak at you. They are fabulous. Everybody should see baby river otters. I, I totally agree with you. They're wonderful. And they make it up. We're on Blucher Creek, so they make it up the creek. And uh-huh. uh, I don't know where they are before that, but she's there every year. Funny what thing. What time of year do they birth? Well, gosh, I'm trying to think. Right around uh, about a month ago, I think, was oh, last okay. year. And we mm-hmm. know when they're here because you met my dog, Dot, with the white collar. Mm-hmm. And we know they're here because now her collar's red because she rolls in the scat and they eat our crawdads. And with the crawdad shell, so it's a real marker. I think that's one of the things about farming is you just learn to pay attention. Mm-hmm. It's like, what is this? And why is this? That's right. You have crawdads. We have a lot of crawdads. In your pond, in the ponds? Uh-huh. Yeah. They've made their way up, I think, from the from, creek. From Blucher Creek. Yes. I mean, we have a prolific amount of crawdads, so much so that every year we do a crawdad feed. Yeah, you said that. You're coming this year. Yeah, I offered to make Oh, I offered to make dirty rice. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I'm in. I'm happy to make dirty rice with it. Um, well, we sort of... Uh, Went off a side road uh, from Wolf. But let's talk about Wolf now, because you've been involved with Wolf for a number of years. I have. Um, in big ways and in smaller ways. I know you're, you're sort of downsizing a little bit. We are. We are. So what? let's talk about what Wolf is for people who don't know. Wolf is W-W-O-O-F. It's Worldwide Opportunities on Organic Farms. And what happens is anybody that wants to go stay on a farm and sort of shadow a farmer can apply to that farm and and do such. And we've been doing this, I think this is our eighth year. So, And we've had as many as 15 students at a time. And this year we have cut back. We decided we would rather spend more time with each student rather than have a bunch of students. Mm -hmm. And we like every student. Like um, yesterday, one of our students, Susan, learned to use a drop spindle. So she learned how to spin. And today, um, Victoria will learn that. And then in a week, they'll be on something else. But having more time, I think, is better. Mm-hmm. But it is, it's an amazing program. And most of our students do not come from here. Right. You mentioned, God, 20 different countries or at something least, like that. At least. We've had, I mean, as far as China, Japan, India, Europe, Holland. I mean, we've had a lot of uh, 
Belgium, a lot of amazing students from all over the world, and we stay in touch. So you end up with this really large family, mm-hmm. and sometimes the woofers get together and go travel Europe together. So it's it's a it's a good program, and I, I like the way Woof puts it together that a student doesn't come out and work because they can't, but they tend to do work with us until about noon, so only four hours a day, and then they're off to explore bicycles or they can do whatever, mm-hmm. and it, it's. It's a good way. It's, I think it's a good way to travel if you're a young person. I know a lot of people who have traveled that way from the United States and then traveled, but I mm-hmm. haven't known anyone who had participated in the way that you are. So uh, I, I love getting that dimension of it as well. But uh, It's fun to host. Yeah, a friend of mine um, who actually lives on the same property I do, I forget where she was. I forget if it was Australia or New Zealand, but I've known a number of people who that's how they travel. Wow. So, uh, yeah, it's great. makes me think, hmm, could I go stay on a farm in Sicily? <laughs> I, would like to, I, w- I would like to go stay on a farm in Sicily and get up every morning and make fresh ricotta with them because there is nothing like the ricotta from Sicily. It's oh, wow. just extraordinary. And I had some friends, um, it's actually the uh, CEO of the station and her husband, they stayed... Um, I, I think they did a homestay. They didn't do woof, but they did a homestay in Sicily. And every morning they had these bowls of ricotta oh, that wow. was still warm. Oh. And Sicily seasons its ricotta. And it's not like that stuff, that precious brown stuff you buy in American grocery stores, which is just awful. That Forget, if that's all you know about ricotta, just forget that because it bears no resemblance to it. Uh, there's more, it's not... It's not smooth. Mm-hmm. It's not grainy. There are discrete curds. Oh. There's a tanginess to it. And then salted um, just makes all the flavors soar. And a cannoli made with that ricotta. Oh. It just sings. Huh? Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. Truly amazing. Do we have any more music queue? Okay, we've got one more song queued up for you, and we'll come back with our final segment talking about Duckworth Farm. Blueberries for breakfast. 
a Mamas and Papas song I completely missed. Never heard it before. Thank you, Anthony. You rock. Um, you do not do this 100% alone. No. So um, your daughter's snazzy. Yes. Works. But also, dear Oscar. Oh, best man on earth. What's he doing right now? Right now he's out in a field adjacent, or in the backfield right now, adjacent to the blueberry field, cutting hay. So we do grow certified organic hay, mm-hmm. which only goes to certified organic dairies here in Sonoma County. Mm-hmm. And Oscar does all the haying in his very little spare time. And what's involved? You, sometimes you see you're driving past a farm and you see those big sort of rolled bales. Yes, yes. Is that what you do? No, we do the square bales. Oh, okay. And um, putting up hay is a lot like trying to bake a souffle in an oven that is schizophrenic and once in a while somebody throws in a glass of water. I mean, it is the most frustrating thing because it has to be at a certain percentage of moisture. Uh, So a hay bale for us has to be 14% or less because we don't want them to mold or or self-combust. And it's oh it's, self-combust. Oh yeah, they do. They if if you put them in too tight with enough moisture, they get hotter and hotter and hotter, and they will combust. That's how most of the barn fires start. It's usually somebody's put up some bad hay. Oh, I had no idea. Oh yeah, it's so we're very very careful. You know, I'm kind of I'm the person that runs out there with the probe and tries to you know stab each of the three thousand bales of hay to make sure nothing is is mm-hmm. warm. So. And then how do people know to buy your hay? Do you reach out to dairy farmers? No, it's typically called for before it's even cut. It's, oh, okay. With the proliferation of so many vineyards, we've lost a lot God. of pasture space. Sure. And it's been harder and harder for the dairy farmers. It's sort of a double whammy. You know, they're they're hit with, with dropped prices, you know, more regulations. And then it's harder and harder to get locally sourced certified organic hay. Oh, interesting. So bless you again for doing it. That's wonderful. It's it's um sort of our rite of passage every summer. It's, mm-hmm. it's not really summer until we start haying. Until you start haying. Yeah. So it looked like the field was pretty cut, pretty well cut when I was there yesterday. The big field is yes. The smaller oh, fields. Another, no. Oh, there's a smaller field. Oh yeah. We also across the creek we have another field over there. Oh. Wow. Yeah. I know. It's a weird layout on the <laughs> it's, farm, but it's it's hard to keep up with all that you do. Um, you all. You also have. You have a cookhouse. We do, and you have a sorting room for the berries, Correct. for the blueberries, and you're going to tell that story of how you got that this very expensive piece of equipment. But you you have an eye for finding things that's extraordinary. Finding things at auctions and on Craigslist and all that. You have that spiral staircase that is going to go up to a loft that's in the room where the berries are sorted. And that you found, what, on Craigslist? We did. And it was in Sebastopol. I was so thrilled. It's a circular staircase. (gasps) What is the wood? It's oak. It's gorgeous. It is. It is. Poor Oscar. He's got to find a way to make it fit. We're always like the old I Love Lucy shows. I think he comes home and he's like, oh, man, you've what got some explaining to do. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us the story. You were looking at this. A blueberry sorting machine. And it, it's got a conveyor belt. Correct. And it blows off the. The chaff. The chaff. Yeah. How did you get it? We were speaking with a blueberry producer in the Central Valley down in Kingsburg. And come to find out, he collects antique motorcycles. But you have to back up a little bit first. You have to say how much that piece of equipment oh, was going to cost. Like $120,000. It's an expensive piece of equipment. 
But we happen to have a motorcycle that he didn't have, and he collects um, Spanish motorcycles. And we had a Persang that Oscar had seen 30 years ago at a, a yard sale in San Anselmo. And the fellow that had it wanted three dollars for it so oscar <laughs> offered him two <laughs> and he took it so we've had this thing sitting in a container all these years a bull taco per se and this fella had never even seen one there are very few that made him into the states and we'd never even fired the thing up so we sent him a picture and he said sure so we went down with this huge gooseneck trailer on the back of our truck with one motorcycle on it it looked absolutely ridiculous and then we got there and he looked at it and he just sort of swept his arm over his yard and said take whatever you want so we managed to get all of this blueberry equipment for basically a two dollar investment 30 years ago oscar is a genius at this um i think you may be as well <laughs> i have my moments but oscar always wins well it's an amazing thing. I mean, you just think about that. A $2 motorcycle becomes, 30 years later, a $120 piece of blueberry sorting. $120,000. 120000 yeah. That's what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> that's just astonishing. Well, and the, we need the machine. So, mm -hmm. because when you put the berries on, one of the things about blueberries is you want to touch them as little as possible. They have that sort of white coating on mm -hmm. them called the bloom. That's the natural protection for the berry. Oh. So we don't want to touch them with our hands. We mm -hmm. get them on this machine, which is a conveyor belt. It rolls up to the top. And as it drops to the next conveyor belt, it's hit with, with, with air. And that air blows any chaff off. And the berries drop to the next one and then down into our boxes. So we also offer this. When people come out to you pick, we will run their berries oh, really? through the machine. Oh, yeah. Wow. And kids love to see it go and watch I all like their that. berries, you know, bobbling along the way. Sure. That's fascinating. Um, we've got just we've got about five minutes left, so let's go back to the weekends oh. that are just starting. They are. Let's get people all the details. Um, first of all, what's the cost of picking? We are not charging that much, actually. We are charging only four fifty a pound to come out and you pick. Which... And that compares to if you go to a supermarket. <gasps> Certified organic by the pound. If you buy them in the little six ounce containers, you're going to be paying twelve to fourteen dollars a pound. Mm. The reason we do this again is Sonoma County, you know, we're an open space property. We feel like it's important to give back. Mm -hmm. um, we don't do farmer's markets. We don't want to compete against the other really fine blueberry growers mm -hmm. because we are, you know, we're just able to do it for less. If you want them pre-picked, so if we, if you call up and say, you know, I'm doing all these pies, Lori, I need, you know, 20, 30 pounds, that's, um, that's going to be $6 a pound. But four fifty a pound, you come out and pick. And the joy of picking out there with your kids is it's, it's well worth the price. Even if you don't have kids, it's, it's mesmerizing. It's mesmerizing and it's relaxing. It is, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. We like seeing families. And that was one of the reasons we did blueberries and we... We're sad not to be in Oliver's. Oliver's was a good partner for us. When mm -hmm. I first got into business, they actually loaned me packaging. They're an amazing company. They are. We and love so, them. Yeah, I just about wept and said, look, I'm, I'm just not doing this this year. I really need to bring families out. There's, um, there's a vacuum, and we need to fill it. We need to say, you know, come on out. Spend some time with your kids. Get off the Internet. Breathe the air. Look at the sky. We've got lots of things to look at. And we have picnic areas. You can you can come and pick so, blueberries, bring a picnic lunch, uh, and sit by the pond and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. And so it, there's no charge for parking. No. There's no entry fee. No. You pay for the blueberries. That's it. That's amazing. We're hoping everybody's polite, but yes. 
um, I think it's going to be yeah, fun. And if they're not polite, I'm sure that there is a way that you will deal with it really effectively because that's what you do. <laughs> um, we should give people the address. Yes, 3200 Canfield Road. But the address actually is 2950, I okay. should say. that That's a driveway they pull into, 2950 Canfield Road. And we are in between Bloomfield and Blank Road. Mm-hmm. So we're right there off of Schaefer, or you yeah, can just, access just us a from little Robler. Bit pa- a little bit pl- past uh, Schaefer. Yeah, anyone that comes out and does the Christmas tree farms in, in Christmas, we're we're in that neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So right off of Schaefer and Bloomfield. Okay. And then um, it starts at 7. It does. Um, Friday, Saturday, and Sundays. Correct. Open at 7. And what time do you stop? Around 2. Again, we don't like to pick when it's warm. I I want people to get a really good product and take it home and be able to Mm -hmm. use it for whatever they need it for. Mm -hmm. And um, if they do need to come other days, they can call me. We'll let them in by appointment. Mm -hmm. So we want everybody to be able to bring their kids, their grandma, whoever, out and come pick. And what number should they call? 829-7999. That's Mm 829-7999. And, of course, it is area code 707. Yes, it is. And please tell me you don't have a website. Do you have a website? I don't. I'm sorry. Okay, no, I said please tell me you oh, don't. no. Because I don't then even... I would start believing you were triplets and you had the two hidden, you know, <laughs> working in back rooms making all this happen. I don't even have a cell phone. So if people do call, that is a landline. If you want mm-hmm. to call back, you will need to leave your phone number on there. It doesn't magically give it to me like these little handhelds. Right. Well, good for you. I have a, you, you need a landline where you are. We do. And when I the electricity goes where, out. Yeah, when power right. goes out, you have to have a landline. Do you have one? Oh, yes. Oh, it's the I only way. I never give up my landline. Me either. And I prefer talking on it. I like the sound better. I do too. And you can hear better. And it's, it is. It's, you can hear better. Yeah. Um, are you in that... Back to your kitchen. Got just a couple minutes. Okay. Back to that ki- cookhouse kitchen. You can make ice cream. I can't. Can I can't like, sell it, but I can make it. You can't sell. Oh, that's right. You can't sell it right mm-hmm. now, but you can make it. Yes. So you never know if somebody stops by, they might get a spoonful of blueberry, beautiful blueberry ice cream. It's such an incredible color. Oh, isn't it pretty? Yes, it's absolutely gorgeous. Do you think you'll ever do um, value-added products? Um, blueberry yes. vinegar, blueberry shrub, blueberry. Yes, yes, okay. yes, yes. Down the road. Okay. We really will. We have, actually, all our paperwork's in with the county. We are just waiting back for our license. You're going to do a mercantile. You're going to do a little correct store, right? Correct, correct. But this year, we're, again, we're just waiting to hear back from the county that everything's gone through mm-hmm. and um, it all should be great. But we will be selling, you know, hopefully by the end of June, you can come out and get blueberry pies after oh, you pick if you want. Uh-huh. So made right on the premises, which uh-huh. is really nice and all organic ingredients. And you even have a little, what's it called? A, a form or something for making hand pies. I do. I love hand pies. Still working on it though. Okay. They're trickier than they look. Uh-huh. But that look, that is a well-equipped kitchen. It is. It's re- And you've gotten all that stuff. Used. Like, yeah. Options. Yes. Sort of thing. We call it kitchen jewelry. Well, you did a fabulous job, and I'm going to tell people one more time. It is Duckworth Farm. The driveway you turn into is 2950 Canfield. Mm-hmm. It's Canfield between Blank and uh, Bloomfield. Your The phone number, if you want to arrange another time to go, 829-7999. Can people call you and ask for uh, large quantities of blueberries as well? Yes, many people do. Okay. And we, we pick for them. We don't pick, let's say, on a Tuesday and have you pick them up on a Friday. So if you need something by Friday afternoon, call me on Thursday. We pick the same day we sell. We don't store anything. We like you to get the freshest product possible. 
Thank you. Thank you. And thank you so much. Thank you, Victoria, for being here with us. And maybe before you return to Belgium, I'll get you back to talk about your experience. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Lori, for all you do and for the ways over the years that you have reached out to me. It's really been wonderful. And I, th I thank you and I deeply appreciate it. My pleasure. Meet me back here for another yummy episode of Mouthful, Smart Talk about food, wine, and farming in Sonoma County and beyond here on KRCBFM Radio 91. And thanks very much once again to my awesome engineer, Anthony Garcia. See you next week. <laughs>